0: Just by every time I open my mouth, it's stupid. So you can't just bleed me out.
1: Are you a busy Ruby developer who wants to take their freelance business to the next level? Interested in working smarter, not harder? Then check out the upcoming book, Next Level Freelancing, Developer Edition. Practical steps to work less, travel more, and make more money. It includes interviews and case studies with successful freelancers who have made a killing by expanding their consultancy, develop passive income through informational products, build successful SaaS products, and become rockstar consultants, making a minimum of $200 an hour. There are all kinds of practical steps on getting started, and if you sign up now, you'll get 50% off when it's released. You can find it at nextlevelfreelancing.com. Posting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 30 of the Ruby Freelancer Show. This week on our panel we have Eric Davis. Hello. Evan Light. Hi. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv and this week we're going to be talking about how to prepare for lean times.
0: Making space where Jeff Skullcraft would normally be.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> would we would we be talking about how to prepare for lean times and then if we have time we'll get into what to do when you hit lean times if you're not prepared?
0: Yeah, that sounds cool. That's what we were talking about doing, right? And then maybe doing a second as another episode if we if we need to.
1: Right. Yeah. All right. So, what do you guys do for when to prepare for lean times? I have to say, I'm not very good at this, so I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say.
2: Well, the sock first, away cash. Yeah. Get a big barrel of rice, some dried beans.
1: <laughs> hey, there we go.
2: <laughs> I like hey. how you're laughing because I actually have all of these.
1: I want to know who Eric's barrel distributor is.
2: Actually, a barrel, but we have a couple containers of rice. Like We have a lot that we normally go through, but then I have a whole, what is it, I guess 20, 25-pound bag of white rice sitting in the bottom of our pantry, and then I have a whole shelf in there of dried beans, which is just more of me like, ooh, this one looks yummy and never cooking it.
0: Okay, so that's not the emergency supply of food, though.
2: No. But, but it could serve as one. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, having cash on hand is actually what I really do. Totally.
1: Yeah, it it seems like the best way to go. I mean, I kind of got thrown into freelancing without having that kind of an emergency fund, and I haven't I haven't been very good about saving money to make sure that I get one. So.
0: Well, and, and this is the episode where you're, you're going to be told by me, at least. You probably should, because you never know when you might actually see things dry up a little.
1: That that's it, true, and
0: it can happen. And when it happens, obviously there'll be no warnings. They'll just stop being leads.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of hard i have to say just because, you know, you get the needs met and then, you know, you're just kind of like, okay, well, now i want to do whatever it is that i want to do, right?
0: Well, it's just it's a, the same thing as and i was about to mention is another way to prep. I, I agree with Eric on his it, it's marketing that uh I mean, marketing is one of the things that you need to be doing so that way you, you keep the, the leads coming. You need people to know that – and I still don't really like that word, marketing. But you need the people to know what you're, that you're out there and what you have to offer. And if they know that and, and it's something that people want, that way they know to come to you. Um, so if if you're not doing that, then, well, you're more likely to have lean times. Um, and if even if you are doing it, you still could. But the more you've done it, the less likely you are. Um,
1: Should we call that business continuation practices? Is that better than marketing?
0: Continuous business. (laughs) It's the continuous integration. BCP.
1: Yeah, something like that.
0: But I I completely agree with Eric. When I went into this, I went in with about a year's worth of cash in the bank. Um, That was partly just from circumstances. I, I Think I mentioned this in another episode a while ago that uh, I was an overpaid government contractor and our costs just weren't weren't meeting our living expenses. Um, so my, you know, naturally, oh well, geez, we saved money um, a little, and um, but then I realized we could get by on less, and that we could that uh, we had about a year's worth in the bank. Now we have about ooh, a third of a year in the bank after uh, doing some massive renovations on the house. So I'm feeling a bit pressured because I'm used to having that extra padding there just in case. But yes, money is certainly part of it. Another thing is this almost gets into what to do in lean times because in terms of prepping for it, having a list of of either products or productive activities that you could do if you had more time. And when I say productive, I mean things that potentially that either grow your worth – which feels like a, to me, that's a very capitalistic way of putting it. But I really should say to grow you as a developer is really more how I feel about it. Or working on a product that you care about, which hopefully you can sell to other people or a service or something. Right. So um, keeping that list of ideas, like Eric's, always saying he's got like a hundred things written down somewhere.
1: So I want to I want to ask a couple of questions about that, but I want to move back to saving money just for a minute. Um, just cause we heard, uh, Eric's approach to a lot of this when we talked about finances about five episodes ago, but, but what's your approach to saving? Do you just sock away, uh, whatever you Cash. get extra or do you sock away a certain percentage or how do you approach that?
0: I am not the best at budgeting by any means, but what I usually do is I, I just use the, the number in the bank account as a barometer. And as long as it stays above a certain amount, I feel comfortable. Um, I should be growing it more, but lately I've been spending it a lot, so I need to regrow it. Um, so basically, it's like a thermometer. Right now, the thermometer reads too low, <laughs> or uh-huh. sorry, more like a gas tank, a, ga- a fuel meter, I guess is a better metaphor. And then the, right now, the fuel meter reads too low. I want to get it back up to at least six months, if not a year. And yes, it's socking away cash, as far as I'm concerned.
1: Right, but when you so when you get too low, do you just do you just work more? Or do you just, do you... Yeah,
0: um, the latter, mostly. I'm starting, and that's exactly what I'm starting to do now. Leads started pouring in all of a sudden. Um, I'm going to to see how many convert, but now I've got two clients who are going to keep me very busy instead of one client who's keeping me very busy, and it seems like there are more coming. Um, and yeah, I'm going to try to serve all of them if I can. Right. So, And also, I mentioned episodes ago, to too, that I took this summer pretty pretty slack. So I came into the fall expecting to bust my butt, and I knew I was spending a lot on these bathrooms for my wife, and so I knew I was going to bust my butt to pay for them. So it was kind of in a plan. Which, yeah, well, then that makes ironically, sense. Ironically, you know, for the planning for lean times, the first part of it is you have to plan.
1: <laughs> yes. And, and <laughs> I think it's interesting because the emergency fund is there for emergencies. It's not just for when you don't have work. So if, if things come to a critical point with a family member or you yeah. know something else it, then you take yes. care of it with that as well so
0: yes 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 it means that you don't have to worry about where, it's, where the money is coming from you've got that money and if you've socked away enough that you don't have that you wouldn't really you wouldn't worry too much about being unemployed for a bit then throwing it at an emergency is not even a blink of an eye you just do it because you know you need to and you have the cash
2: right yeah, all right and so, i mean that's okay. Like I'm, I'm literally just having this experience because I had the birth of my daughter, and I, I don't know, uh, basically chose to have a lean two months because I decided not to work, and now I'm, you know, got back into work and trying to scale up. But it's, you know, like you said earlier, is not having marketing out there. It takes a bit to go from zero work back to where I was, and so, you know, being able to be at the hospital with my wife and you know recovering and say like I really don't have to worry about work. I'm just going to eat some of the emergency fund there. And yep. we, we drew it down because we actually have two. I have one for my business and then we have a personal one. And drew, we both drew both of those down a little bit. And then when she went back to work and then I went back to work and, you know, I mean, just having that there, was like, I don't have to panic and run out of the emergency room and, yeah. oh, I got to you know do some client work today. Yeah. And,
0: and that's just exactly what I did this summer. I mean, not, okay, not my wife giving birth, but working a, a lot less and not worrying about it because I knew I could afford to. Yeah, same idea, right. same
2: principle.
1: So the other the other thing that you were talking about is having that list of productive activities. Now, are they all? Do they all have to be projects? Or
2: no? Uh,
0: a lot of the, they could just be uh, skills that you want to acquire. And I'm speaking for myself here, and this gets into what to do, as I said, versus the plan. Um, but for my experiences with with when I had um, my one two month lead time, lead time, I guess it was a few years ago having a list of things to do kept me sane because otherwise I'm just watching the bank account go down all the time, not earning any money at all. And psychologically it's, it's punishing. Right. So, which reminds me, and that brings me to another important point. If you can just get a small but consistent job, it's better than nothing because a lot of Well, a lot of life is – well, our lives really are how we perceive them. And it's easy to beat yourself up if you don't have any work. I know I've done it. I I assume other people, being human, probably do it too. If you have just at least a trickle of money coming in, it's something. Um, Psychologically for me, it was uh, – having having just a small client is better than no clients.
1: Well, and I think it, it gets down to, okay, well, at least we can pay for food and then it's okay well now at least we can pay for food and the the mortgage you know or the utilities it, right.
0: it's it's not the you know you don't have any money but the drawing down from the savings it sure it's there for emergencies but drawing down in the savings is nerve-wracking because you just keep drawing and drawing and drawing over time and so as long as you're putting something back into it then you can feel like you're doing something right
1: <laughs> right and that,
0: that i think that that's, certain, that's certainly better than not having that at all, yeah, I think there's more to it than just the numbers is what i 'm saying you You need to keep yourself motivated it 's easy to lose faith in yourself as trying to to be a business um, while you're trying to find work in between gigs
1: right. anything to add Eric
2: i mean I agree with have one you need to have a project or something to do one to just you know, keep up the energy because I ran into this when I first got back is I was having a hard time even doing three hours of work a day because I would just be unmotivated. There's, there isn't like this attainable goal that I could see in the horizon. And so I had that problem and then I kind of started building some, some of that stuff around and now I'm back up to like, you know, full time, you know, seven to nine hours a day, depending. But one thing I kind of want to disagree with Evan is he said like a product I'm, all for making products, and I think it's they're they're great for freelancers. But if you don't have any income, making a product is probably not the best thing to, for you to do. Just because there's a lot to it, like behind the scenes, and then sure. once it's out there, like I mean, Evan, you talked about this with your iPad app. I mean, mm-hmm. once it's out there, you're going to have a kind of a not bloated, is the wrong word, but you know, a, a raised expectation of like, yeah, this might make me a couple thousand dollars a month. And then you make only $12 a month. and so. Well, no. So I completely agree there.
0: Going into products, you have to be realistic that there's a very good chance it won't make you any money at all. That That's w- one of the ways that I tend to look at products. Um, it's more to me about doing something to stay busy where I'm acquiring skills that I want – than usually than it is about trying to build something specifically. If there was a particular okay. product that I really cared about so much, I would be building it on my own time while I even ha- even while I had work, and exactly. I would work and I would invest in it by working less to work on the product. Um, if I were working on a product in my own time because I had nothing better to do, then it's because I had nothing better to do, and that's not going to be the best kind of product. So. Um, no, I, it's a valuable point you raised there. I don't want to overemphasize working on a product. I really want to emphasize building up skills that you that you think will be useful that interest you. I think is the most important part. Um, so, Chuck, am I allowed to 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 mention the person who's not here yet but's going to be here? Sure, go ahead. Okay, so so Jim Gay starting um, on the podcast next week. I'm I'm not going to be here for that, but he. So I guess I have a pick, uh, another pick. Um, He wrote a blog post recently about his experience um, writing a book and making money off of it, or writing an e-book on software development and making money off of it. Um, I I pinged on him a bit about how much effort he put into it versus how much he's earned so far because, well, I know he's put a lot of time in, and based on his current earnings, I suspect – it's nowhere near his hourly rate. Granted, he's not done earning on it yet, and he's still working on the book. But my point, though, is that he did something that mattered to him because he wrote this book because he was so fascinated by this topic that he wanted to learn more about it. And so he chose to invest his time in it, and he got to do something that he really cared about, and he got to make money doing it by sharing it with other people. And that, to me, is awesome. So if... This is the kind of thing that would be hard to do, holding down a contract job possibly because writing a book is, from everyone I've talked to about it, because I occasionally dabble with the idea, it's a pain in the butt. It takes a lot of effort. And um, so I believe he was doing, I'm not positive, but I believe he was doing less contract work while working on the book. Mm -hmm. Um, But he did something that mattered to him, something significant to him, and he got paid. And to me, that's about the best thing you can do on your job.
1: Right. Right. So, other
0: than maybe help people which would you know, if that's a personal thing, if significant to you that's a good thing
1: yeah so one other thing that I want to bring up before we start talking about what to do when you hit a lean time yeah is right. <laughs> is possibly budgeting and when I talk about budgeting I'm not talking about you know saying well, we're gonna spend this much on this and this much on that but I'm talking about like prioritizing your expenses and, and I, I kind of alluded to it before so you know you put it in order of, of what's most important you keep the you you pay for food you pay to keep the lights on you know then you pay for your mortgage and and you know you just work down the list and uh, if you know what that is and then you know that your money is going to be restricted then you know which things you're going to be paying for and which ones you're not
0: Okay, so one of the first things I learned and I, I did this coming out of the the government working for a startup and taking a big pay cut so I could work at the startup is that, you know, we don't need to that usually we we're, we're stuck doing what we're doing where we get can get get stuck doing what we're doing by what are effectively golden handcuffs. Um the expression just meaning that we get so used to our our style of living that we're unwilling to change it even though it might improve our style of living. So to that extent, it was when we moved out here and I started working for the startup, it was all about, okay, what can we cut back on? Or what things can we be cheaper about? Or what, what things don't we need to be spending money on? And I very quickly realized that, that living on half of what we were living on before really wasn't that hard.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's just knowing what to cut.
0: It's fine Well, you're you're right in that what what to prioritize. There are certain things you don't really think about much. It's you're going to have the mortgage, you're going to have the energy bills. Those aren't going to change much. You have to pay your insurances and whatnot. But can you cut back on? You can cut out the premium cable services. You could actually mm-hmm. you know not have an iPhone. Oh my God, um, because the cost of owning something like an iPhone is kind of is something like four thousand dollars over two years when you. Total up the cost of buying the thing and the services. It's something ridiculous. Um, There are a lot of different little expenses you can trim back, and that can add up to an awful lot of money. Oh, yeah, don't eat out so much. This was one that used to kill us in Northern Virginia that we would go eating, we would eat out all the time. Cooking at home will save you tons of money.
1: Yep, absolutely true. All right, so is there anything else that you can think of to talk about? in preparing for the lean times? I mean, we did talk about marketing, but I don't know if there's anything to add on that. So,
2: Well, I mean, to, when you're preparing, like if you have work right now, keep marketing, even if it's like a trickle. Like try to have something regular that you're doing marketing-wise or just even networking, and not like, you know, I'm social networking on the Twitters, but just, you know, talking to other people. So if the lean times hit, you have these kind of warm connections you can kind of rekindle easily yep. versus yep. it's like, hey, I don't know who you are. I'm I'm asking for work. Um another thing I do I don't I don't remember how regularly, but at least once or twice a year I'll actually review my expenses, especially on my business side. And we'll look at stuff and be like, okay, I'm paying a hundred bucks a month for this. Is it really worth it? And so right. that kinda lets me audit things. A little bit here a little bit there and on the other side of it is i actually can sign up for new services and try them out pay for them for a little bit and i know in the back of my head that i'm going to actually reflect on this and see if it's actually really worth it in the long term in a few months and so i've done that to kind of like try stuff out see it doesn't quite work for me and kill it off right so i'll I'll augment what you're saying here because i you said a
0: lot of what i was going to say too and that's cool um that to me it's Knowing, yeah, you know, having lots of knowing lots of people, it okay, it comes kind of natural to me because I just like people. But um, to that extent, keep a, keep a wish list of companies you wouldn't mind working full time for as an employee because that's always the the final one of the final fallbacks is get a job, you know, you get a full time job instead of being a freelancer. Give up the business, and so if you keep the list of companies that you'd like to work for. Or and you know people there. Well, then ping on those people and, and check to see if if there's if they might potentially need someone at some point. If they might be interested in you at some point. If things were to change, you know, if they'd be willing to work with you remotely. If you'd have to move, whatnot. You know, feel them out. Uh, if if you know people, you might
2: want to work for, then have that as a backup plan. Yeah, yeah, and that's exact. That's what I do. Is like. I mean, my wife had talked about it. Like, if worse comes to worse and, you know, nothing works and all these problems, like, I'm close to Portland. Like, I mean, I can commute into yeah, Portland every Portland's day. Portland's awesome. Portland's big with this. Like, I know two companies. Like, I know the people there personally that are hiring. And it's like the Portland, Seattle area. Like, when you include that, it's there's a lot of people hiring. And, you know, that might be just, you know, the market cycle we're in. But... For right now, if you can't make freelancing work, you could probably just get a normal job. And on the side note, some companies might be okay with you moonlighting on the side. And that could be another thing is maybe you get a job that's not necessarily like tech, like you're not actually doing programming stuff, but it's just a straight nine to five. And when you clock out, you're done. And then you can do moonlighting on top of that. So like there's, there's a bunch of options. Like, you know, if lean times turn into a really long lean time and it's like, Okay, my belt's already tightened.
1: Yeah, one thing that I want to point out with that too is that if you are going to go back to a full time job, and it's also a good way of marketing in general, is be going to the users groups because that's where the local companies or the the guys that work for the local companies are, and that's a good way to get your foot in the door. And Not it probably
0: that, but those are the ones you probably want to work for too. Yep. Mm -hmm.
1: and the other nice thing is that in a a lot of cases, those companies that are local to you that you may want to work for full-time as a last resort, you may be able to work something out so that you can contract for them instead.
0: It it feels so, I'm going to say it, first-world problem to talk about as last resort, oh, no, we're going to have to take a full-time gig working for a company that's probably (laughs) kind of decent. Um, What Eric said, that the market currently is pretty good for us as long as you're, you're, you're decent at what you do. You'll, you'll, you'll land. Okay. It's just a matter of how you land and where you land.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So what happens when things slow down? You know, you, you have, you know, most or all of your contracts, you know, complete, or they decide that they're out of money or whatever. And so they let you go. What, what do you do?
0: First thing I try to make sure that I'm, that I have a good enough relationship with the client that I know it's coming before it does.
1: Right. So I, you
0: know, I know what their budget is. I know where I am in their budget. So that way I can be planning for it before it happens. And when I know that I've been pretty good about being able to line up work that dovetails nicely with leaving the client who's running out of cash and then starting work for another, if you don't have that warning, then you get that grinding of gears where you don't have work for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, In that case, in either case what what i've done is i just i basically revert to the get clients now book which I, I wanted someone to mention that this podcast because marketing 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 is is very important to avoid the lean time people need to know the hype beat that you're there to be able to hire you so i step up my marketing game um, as either i know i'm cycling down on a client and i don't have leads the moment or if i've cycled out and i need and i need work
1: mm-hmm yeah, that makes sense.
0: So Yeah, and
2: that's kind of I mean, what I do is you know, I basically if it gets lean it's like right now like I don't have any clients at the moment. And so it's like, okay, I'm heavily focused on marketing and something Evan didn't really say is I actually heavy focus on sales. So like if a lead get you know talks to me, like normally if I'm busy it might take me a day, two days to get back to them and then if I'm completely booked it might be like just a like short email, sorry, I don't have time for you. But yep. When I'm lean, I'm like, you know, within a few hours, if you're applying to people, and I have a very, very hardcore follow up, and yep. that's gotten me projects over the long term. And so I kind of, you know, if things are really tight, like I accelerate and like, okay, not aggressive or pushy, but like I am more frequently, I stay up to date, I make sure I don't, you know, miss a follow up schedule or any of that stuff. Yes. And another thing is. You can be you can really ask for the sale more, like if you are talking to someone and you don't have any work, you can say like look what what would it take for us to get a contract on this right now so we can start next week?"
0: you wow, know play that's, that's a pretty hard sale,
2: <laughs> yeah, but I mean like you know kind of don't don't beat around the bush as much and kind of have a bit more confidence, and most of the time, especially if you're talking with entrepreneurs or like c e o level they're going to respect that kind of confidence, and they know you're not just being pushy, but like you're just trying to make sure, you know, you're not wasting four weeks talking to someone. Sure. Assuming that you know they're
0: talking to you, and that they're already in talking to you, they're serious about potentially doing work. Then it makes sense to just try to close that deal. No, you're right. I didn't talk about sales, but everything that you said, I already do. I just, I just don't really think about it consciously, but on reflection except for the hard sell part i've never been good at that i feel very uncomfortable doing that that's just me i I think what you said seemed sounded perfectly reasonable
2: yeah and i mean in context that's after you know you might have talked to him for half an hour an hour hash it out and it seems like it might be a good thing and it's between the the semi-hard sell versus like let's have another follow-up conversation in two weeks so
0: another thing that i do I, i feel like i'm Maybe I'm not reciting things that I get clients now, but maybe it it kind of feels like I am, is that I start pinging on at least one lead, one contact, one person a day. Uh, I reach out to the network of people that I know um, who either might have work or might know who might have work. And I ping on at least one a day, sometimes just one. It's a matter of how anxious I am or if I really just want a little downtime. Frankly, between clients, sometimes I do want a little break. Um, If we're really talking lean, though, then I aggressively ping more than one person a day. And the catch is, of course, it, it takes time. You're beating bushes. It takes time to develop the work. So even if you are generating leads from this process, it still takes several weeks usually for this stuff to pan out. I mean, occasionally you get one of those clients Is okay, I need you yesterday, sign a contract, off you go. Um, I've had some of those too, but then I've had just as many or more where it takes a few weeks of discussing before there's a contract signed.
2: Yeah, and I mean, even in non-lean times, i found it takes about a month from when you first talk to someone to when it's actually like contract signed. And then it's depending, it still could be another month or two before the project starts. And then... To even add on to that, depending on how you do your contract, it might be another month, and sometimes even two months before you get paid. So it's it's a long process.
0: You're dealing you, you deal more with, or in the past you've dealt more with enterprise type clients, though, right? Yeah. Okay, because I've been working more with startups, and so they really they really do come in two flavors. It's the we need help now, or um, we need help desperately. Yeah, which is, or the yesterday, I, I got one like that. Uh, I got one client a few years ago, was or a couple of years ago, a few, was, um, can you be on a plane to San Francisco tomorrow? What?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but quite literally, it, that, that was almost how the conversation started, which kind of had me floored. But uh, working with startups, you, you get the guys who they have a tech team, but they realize they're in over their heads and they need help. And those guys want it usually immediately. I've had a few like that. Um, and then you get the, the the businessmen who are dabbling with an idea, and then they just take forever, and they usually don't close. Um,
2: occasionally they do. Right. Yeah. And that's a lot of my clients, like you said, are more enterprisey or whatever, where they're planning, yeah. they have budgets. They're bigger all businesses, all that. so that they've got mm-hmm. more process, and it takes a t- more time to get stuff done. Yeah. Right. And honestly, so- when I was really busy, I was scheduling work out about six months ahead of time, too. Yeah, because I, remember I had what you so saying. much.
1: Yeah, but you're you're dealing with 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 those uh, corporate clients. You're dealing with a process that they have for accounts payable, whereas with the smaller companies, they are usually a little bit um, more along the lines of, oh, we got to check, we got to handle this now, kind of thing, and so you get your checks more quickly. Yeah, and so there's that too. So you know if you're if you're in a lean time, you know the other thing that that's helped me because I, I hit a lean time. I haven't hit like major one that's lasted more in a few weeks, but I'll sign a contract and I'll get the deposit. And then the deposit can kind of hold things over until I get paid by them. And then I can, you know, then I can, you know, reinflate that and make it work. Right.
2: Yeah. And that's something that freelancers don't touch on very much, but like more standard type businesses do. And it's cash flow versus income. You know, if you invoice someone Right. right now, made income, but you don't have the cash. And when you're going through a lean time, cash is king. I mean, and so if you do like you said, Chuck, get a deposit, get, you know, half a month or whatever up front, your lean time basically just stopped. I mean, yeah, it might take a bit before the next payment, but you were able to kind of pay your mortgage or, you know, get groceries, whatever the problem was.
1: Yeah. So basically, you know, the, the, you, you found a place that you can kind of jump to, you know, because you're at the edge of the cliff, you can find a place to jump to until you can climb back up. And, and yeah, it, just, so it, it gives you that little bit of a lip to, to work around it.
2: I mean, it almost seems like if you're in a lean time and you kind of feel like you're getting out of it, like say you got some leads and you know, it looks like they're going to close, if you optimize and try to close the ones that are going to give you the largest chance or the largest amount for a deposit – and or are the smallest or, I guess, kind of the, the least process-oriented companies, that might be kind of a something to help accelerate it if you're, you know, really struggling against a rock, you know, versus, like, trying to close a government contract, which might take three months after the contracts closed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, one of those. but at the
1: same time, keep pushing the, the longer-term leads, because, again, there's no guarantee that those smaller leads are going to close. If they right. close, they may close faster, and that's good for you, but you don't have a, a guarantee from them either.
0: I, I've, I've, I've had mixed results there too. I had one time where I was flooded with leads and all of them closed. And I had one time where I was flooded with leads and none of them closed. It, it, you never
2: know. You really don't. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of why I said optimize. I mean, it's the idea of, okay, you have two emails. Which one do you respond to? Like my, maybe pick the, the smaller, like the faster company over the, the large, more bureaucratic company.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing to consider if we're if you are if you're low on cash and and you're hurting for work, then getting that longer term contract is a a light at the end of the tunnel. That's probably not a train because that gives you hypothetically, especially it's see. And I, I, Eric, you can correct me on this, but with an enterprise client, they're I I would tend to think that they're less risky as a client in that. They're less likely to just up and bail on you, whereas with a startup, you never know when they might run out of cash.
2: Um, let's see. I'm trying to think. I would say more than likely, yes. I mean, I've still had the same problem of the full startup or you know the PM on the, in the enterprise basically going dark, which okay. everyone hates. But I, I would say, yeah, the more enterprise-y companies, they're better at paying their bills on time. Yeah. And they're they're better at like, okay, we have a contract, we need to honor this agreement until we can, you know, get out of it type idea. Versus a startup, I mean theoretically if you're contracting with a you know VC startup or whatever and they go bankrupt, your contract could be void.
1: hmm
2: Or it doesn't even if even if the contract isn't
0: void depending on the bankruptcy laws in the state, they may never get around to paying you.
2: Yeah, and that's what I mean like, you know, like you can basically just kiss that goodbye cuz the yes. company's not there anymore. You're the person right. who owes you the legal entity is non-existent. Which is one of the reasons to take a deposit
0: in the first place. But that that doesn't help you when you're already low on cash, but it's one way to ensure payment is to have it already.
1: Yeah, that's true. I've actually had somebody on Twitter that basically and I don't I don't remember exactly what they were replying to, but basically they said, "Yeah, most folks understand if you want them to pay up front because um, you know they they see the risk there for you and you know they you know they'll pay up front and then and then you don't have to worry about not getting paid for work you did cuz you have it up front but I, I don't know if that works out all the time i mean some clients they want to see oh, no. work and then they want to pay for the work so. it
0: totally doesn't i've had a few clients where they they are utterly flabbergasted that i ask for a deposit yeah and i've only I have only worked with one of those. I mean I've worked with more than one client who won't give a deposit but dependent but the clients the, those other clients were able to provide other assurances. I worked with one client like that and he was a client I didn't work for very long. Right. He had other issues.
1: Yeah, makes sense. So, so are I there think any- it's
2: kind of one thing to think about is Look at you know the lean time if you're in it or you've seen one coming up, like how lean of a time is it? Is it just you know you' gotta kind of hold things over for a couple of months, or is it like I don't see the end of this at all too
0: right, so that's that's another thing for me. I usually have some amount of time or money that I'm willing to spend before. I'll just say the heck with it, I'll go get a job and that is establish a constraint because if you leave it open ended, you're just gonna chew on your fingernails. <laughs> You're just going to – it can be anxious enough spending the savings down anyway. If you constrain that time to um, – if you put a, a finite stop to it where you say, if I don't get a job by the time the bank account's down here – gig by the time the bank account's down here or um, by, the, by this date, then I will just go get
2: a full-time job. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, actually I, yesterday or maybe it was the day before, I actually – Made an index card, figured out how much I have in my emergency fund, what my burn rate is, which is how much I'm losing each month just you know, mm-hmm. living, right. and wrote down you know the next few months. And I have you know a few months, and at the very end I have a little picture of a fire, which means basically that's the end of the line. And so, working backwards from the end of the line, I figured if I need to book a client. And you know, if I'm pay- if they're paying on net thirty, I need to have work done by this date, which means I need to have worked by this date, which means I need to have a contract by this date. Right. And so that gives me like, okay, I have a few months to kind of, you know, I, I don't have to panic. But then when those few months are up, it's like panic mode. You know, time to you know look for alternatives or whatever. Right. So you were you
0: were trying to firmly establish what the most what the furthest possible constraint was you could get away with.
2: Yeah. And I mean, as you guys know, and some of the listeners might know, like I'm very much a planner. And so this is how, because I was stressing out, I think Monday, like I was freaking out, like, oh, I don't have a client. I don't have a client. And, you know, I'm sitting on a decent sized emergency fund. So it's really not a problem for, what is it, at least two months before I really have to worry about it. But me being a planner, me seeing, like you said, Evan, the savings going down. I, I was panicking, and that was making my work sure. and my marketing suffer. And so I sat down, did this, and now I'm like, "Oh, I actually have a bit of a cushion here. I, I can, I can take it easy. I can chill."
0: Um, so that brings me to another thing. When in, in those sorts of times, I think that's also where getting things done is very applicable. You need because there are a lot of stressors on your mind, and getting them all out of your head into some kind of system where you can manage them. Is huge, and, and that sounds like you did that, and then you use that to generate uh, a spreadsheet or something like that. I assume where you were able to figure out, okay, when do I absolutely have to have a contract by? Um, even if you don't go to that extent, if you make a, if you make lists of all the things you need to do in order to try to generate work, then well, you, you, you've got a plan. You don't have to stress about what am I going to do. You know what you're going to do. You just have to go do it. You just have yeah. to go act goes back to the have a plan <laughs> we're, we're saying we're we're saying a lot of that really you just have to think ahead
1: yeah but at the same time i mean what you said wasn't just that you need to have a plan i mean you're talking about getting organized and, yes, getting and or, well right getting
0: and, or making that okay so not getting paid feels chaotic so really what you're doing is you're applying order to the chaos you you're or, you're not rearranging the, the ship the decks the chairs on the deck of the titanic but um it could feel that way a little bit, maybe, but it brings some order to that chaos. It, it can be calming and empowering. But what Eric kind of alluded to, and, and I've kind of alluded to, I think, without saying it outright, is getting that at work when you're in elite time. It's a head game that you have to remain confident. You have to be able to believe in yourself, and if you lose that, then you need to get that full-time job.
1: Yeah,
2: but yeah. And that's a, also a vicious cycle. I mean, if you don't have work and you're panicked about not having work, when you talk to a lead, they're going to pick up on that even subconsciously. Yes, and right. And they're going to be like, this guy seems shaky. I don't want to work with him. And therefore, right. you cycle even deeper. Right.
1: Yeah. But the other thing is for me is that, like, I I have plenty of work right now. Um, I'm working a pretty close to full-time contract. And... Um, these last few weeks i've kind of felt like a refugee a little bit because there were so many things that I was trying to keep track of and uh, I hired a new v a and I got a few other things organized and it just gave me some clarity of mind it just made me easy made it easier for me to deal with stuff in general and and just feel like i wasn't being you know it wasn't suffocating me anymore and I can only imagine if you have a lean time that lasts maybe a little longer than some of the few weeks that i've had where i didn't really have a lot of work to do you know that that's got to be just totally suffocating and so knowing where everything is knowing where all the pieces are on the board has just got to take a huge load off
0: having next steps takes a lot of the load off i mean that that's very much a gtd thing but knowing what you're going to do next if you don't if you're still trying to get work having that plan in place is comforting if you yeah. don't have that at all then you're going to just be reaching at straws for what do I do next? And you, then that's just a source. Of, that's another source of anxiety. Yeah. Knowing exactly what it is you're going to do next. Like tomorrow, I'm going to make this. I'm going to, I'm going to tweet this person or make this phone call or reach out to the, and send an email to this company. As long as you know you're going to do that, then that, that, that gives you something to hold on to other than just uh, maybe working on your skills or or if you have a hobby project or something like that to work on.
1: Yep, absolutely. So, are there any other things that we can do in lean times that we haven't talked about that we should cover?
2: Um, let's review. So, we talked about doing some more marketing, um, getting more aggressive with like sales or follow up stuff, um, reaching out to people that you already know, saving um, money, saving money, cutting like expenses where you can. Yes. What else?
1: Uh, picking up new skills or projects.
2: Yes, picking up new skills
1: and making a plan, getting organized?
2: I mean, one thing I can think of, and this is, I mean, do as I say, not as I do type thing, but if you're having a lean time, realize it's not your fault. Like, it could be economy, it could be, you know, like a client dropped a a project completely. You know, yeah, there might have been things you could have done better, but it's not your fault. And even if it was slightly your fault, blaming yourself is probably not going to help you at all. And that's comes back to the whole confidence stuff. Like if you get too hard on yourself, it's going to make everything else worse. And so you kind of have to realize like, this is the situation I'm in. I just need to get out of it. I don't need to really dwell on where I'm at and just move forward. Well, let me, let me add one more thing. Cause uh, it occurs
0: to me that this lines up with something I've been talking about at conferences lately. What's the worst that's going to happen? What the worst thing that could happen that you're put out of your home. Your house, your house gets repossessed. Your car gets repossessed. It's a country song. Um, that's about the your worst thing that could happen. Your, your 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 dog dies. Um, that that's about the worst thing that can happen. But if you're still alive, you still have your health. You still have your brain. You still have your family. Even though it's stressful, you're still there, and yep. you can still climb out of it. You can you can still change it. Um, and what I've been telling people a lot because it's what I did when I went through a—it wasn't money, but it was a hard, a, an emotionally tur- uh, turbulent time because of my wife's health. Well, still is turbulent, but not in the same way. Um, but the the guy, one of the guys who inspired me, um, uh, Damian Katz. I'm glad I'm glad to mention his name. Um, he gave a presentation at Ruby Fringe several years ago where he went through a, a really rough patch, uh, where he got laid off, and he. He stuck to do. He stuck to what he believed in, what mattered to him. He kept working on CouchDB. This was before CouchDB was CouchDB, and he kept working on it, working on it. And this little company called IBM came along and said, "Hey, we want to pay you to work on it." So, what he did was he he did what he loved, and then he shared it with other people. Um, and this comes out of Seth Godin. So I'm talking about a kind of marketing after fashion. Um, as long as you but my point is you can do what you love and as long as you're fervent about it you keep after it and but you let other people know what you're doing so that way people know that you know what it is people know what it is you're working on that's part of telling them what you have to offer then that passion will come through that confidence will come through and i'm not going to say it's it's the secret where the uh, power of your mind gives you work but your life will be better for doing something that you care about and you will probably be able to find work doing it.
1: Yep. Makes sense. All right. Well, we need to get into the picks. Is there anything else we need to cover? I guess not. All right, let's do the picks then. Uh, Eric, do you want to start us off?
2: Sure. So uh, this blog post came out a little bit ago. Um, Basically, what's his name? Mark O'Connor is a developer and basically he, I guess about a year ago, he started, his MacBook Pro broke, um, I guess a high-speed bottle uh, intersected with the screen. And so it broke, he decided he didn't want to try to fix it and started working on his laptop or his iPad. And so the post that just came out recently, it's actually a year experience of actually doing all of his work on an iPad. And he's using an iPad and then a Linode uh, VM, which... Basically, you know, using screen, I think he uses Vim, and then he actually uses like VNC and stuff. He's actually able to do all of his work. And so uh, this post is kind of like a year reflection about it. talks a lot a bit about how he can go to the park and work on stuff. And then if he has to take a conference call, he can disconnect, walk to a coffee shop, and take the conference call while he's walking. Um, so it's, it's a lot of the... Uh, what is it? The, the freedom of space, like you know, as a freelancer or whatever, you can work pretty much wherever as long as you have access to. In this case, a server that has Ruby or whatever. So I thought it's really interesting. Um, I'm trying to kind of isolate a lot more of my stuff. Not so much that I can travel and get out, but that if my laptop breaks or if I'm if I find myself without my main system, I can still do stuff that I need to do. So that's a that was an interesting post. Um, I'll put up the. Is year later reflection um, at the very beginning. He has kind of the link to the original one. So you can kind of start there if you need to. Um, and that's it for right now.
1: Okay. Evan, what are your picks?
2: Well, let's see. I uh,
0: linked Damien Katz's presentation. I really hadn't gone digging for it um, at all. Eric got me to think, to, to try to find it by typing stuff into the chat. Um, another one that uh, I've been talking to people about, kind of ironic that, that Eric was talking about quality of life kind of thing because that's what I'm going to mention. Um, one of the things that, that's helped me gain clarity is – or one one piece of content is this blog post uh, that is called um, The Regrets of the Dying. Now, it, yes, it sounds terribly depressing, but it's about a woman who was a palliative care nurse. She worked in a nursing home, and she – just she was around a lot of dying patients and so she made a blog post about the five things that the five most common things that i'll I'll link it five most common things that people mentioned on their deathbed that they wish they they had done differently uh when you get right down to it one of them is a little bit ironic given the topic given the topic of the uh the podcast is i wish i hadn't worked so hard um but then some of the other ones are are really elemental I wish I'd been true to myself. I wish – I'm reading them right now. I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends, and I wish I'd let myself be happier. One of the ones that I, I mentioned just a little bit earlier in terms of the doing what you love and then just sticking to it even in hard times, to me, that's very much the be true to yourself. Um, that's what I did when I left government, took a big pay cut, went and worked on Ruby. And I didn't expect I was going to get paid a lot more. But just by sticking to doing what I like to do, it's come back to me. Um, so I think it's a worthwhile list. If you haven't read The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, it dovetails very nicely with um, – th- think about the I – th- I forget the exact principle in the book. But it was something about see um, see everything is from the end, essentially look at it. Begin as with so the you- end in mind. Begin with the end in mind. Thank you you have it in front of you, or did you read it recently?
1: I uh, neither. Um, you just
0: remember. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. Begin with the uh, end mind, Stephen
1: yes. Covey is actually a local. He, he was a professor at BYU. Yeah, I know
0: he's out there in Salt Lake. I, I didn't know. Okay, cool.
1: Yeah, one of my former employers.
0: Wait, was a local. He passed away, I think.
1: Yes, he? he passed away yeah. in July. But yeah, yeah uh, f- quick story. One of the guys on the sales team when I was working at Mosey had married Stephen Covey's granddaughter, oh, and, wow. <laughs> and so we we uh, for one of our work parties went up and had a barbecue at his house, and uh, and had the the rest of the party was actually in his pool house, and so we all got to play in the pool and things, and he came out and met us, and stuff it was pretty cool. Anyway,
0: yeah, that's a guy whose hand I would have liked to have shaken. That's a good good book. Anyway, yeah,
1: yeah, so yeah. Anyway, that's it
0: for me. <laughs> that's it for me. Your turn.
1: All right, cool. So, um, the first pick that I have is, uh, it's a podcast. I believe it was started quite a bit earlier than five by five. The podcast network came out. Um, but I, I really, really enjoy it. It's got some great stuff on it. It's called Mac power users. Um, they, they range from about an hour to two hours long. Some of them are even longer than that. Um, but they just, they really go into depth and, and cover some awesome stuff about what you can do with your Mac. And so the early ones, they kind of cover topics as a whole. So like networking or, um, you know, like the Dropbox QuickTime kind of, or what is it? Quicksilver, um, kind of things. And they talk about how they use them and how they work into the workflow and, and things like that. And, uh, I think they have one on keynote. They've got a couple on like the calendar stuff. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing stuff, and then they bring people on who use Macs and talk about their workflow on the Mac. So, um, if you want a good uh, podcast on how to use your Mac and what's out there and available for it, then uh, go check it out. It's Mac Power Users, and um, I'm going to pick a couple of other podcasts that I really enjoy. One of my favorites is kind of a column. It's it's from NPR. It's the Sunday Puzzle Podcast, and those are just kind of fun to sit and puzzle over for a little bit to figure out what the answers are. Another one that I like off and on that I'm going to also pick is No More Mondays, and it's uh, No More Mondays is a book written by Dan Miller, and he's allowed these two guys, Jason or Justin Lucas and Andy Traub, to you know kind of take the name and make a podcast out of it, and uh, they talk a lot about about a lot of things related to business and running your small business and, and things like that, uh, following your passion and that kind of thing. And if I'm going to pick that, I may as well mention the 48 Days podcast by Dan Miller. And he talks to a lot of people who are either in work situations trying to get to the point where they can you know move ahead or uh, get past those work situations, but he also addresses people who are self-employed and some of the things that they're dealing with. And so, um, highly recommend that one as well. My last, uh, pick is the Entree Leadership Podcast by Dave Ramsey. Um, he wrote a book by the same name and they just, they interview these CEOs and people and they talk about these different aspects of running a business. And if you're like a solopreneur or something, some of the, you know, hiring and firing and dealing with employee stuff doesn't always matter right away. But uh, some of the other stuff like time management and, you know, managing cash flow and things like that, um, you know, some of the principles behind running a successful business are are just winners and, and there have been just some amazing interviews on that show. So I highly recommend that as well. And uh, that's it for my picks. Is there anything we want to go over before we uh, wrap this up?
2: Yeah, there's something I wanted to say. Okay. Um, basically, like, I, I'm I'm just gonna speak for everyone because I'm pretty much sure we've all kind of had a lean time and have gotten through it or are getting through it and you know as beginning freelancers like it's it's a scary thing like if especially if you've never done any kind of small business or any of that stuff and so you know not having clients you kind of get scared and like like I was saying earlier like you you can panic about it so I mean if anyone wants to like email me or you know maybe I don't know if we have an actual public email address for the show you know and you just like need some help or like hey i don't know what to do or even just uh i need to run this by you this is what i'm trying to do i mean i'm here for people i'm sure you know some of the guys on the podcast are too and sometimes you just need to talk to someone about it and kind of get it out there and you'll feel better about it
1: yeah absolutely and you know i do I-
2: a little bit of that already I, by well i get the occasional email like that
0: and Little and relatively small messages, yeah, I don't have any problem with. If someone wants to take up a lot of my time, that's where I want to build them for the discussion, um, if it's going to be related to their business, but like if it's an hour.
1: Yeah, it's to, kind of the same here. Not too
0: much of a capitalist, but it, you know, time, it, it takes up a lot of my time. But if it's someone's hurting, someone needs a little bit of hand-holding, yeah.
1: Well, I, I think that's the same for any of us. I mean, if it's going to take up three hours of time, you know, I don't know that that's necessarily reasonable considering that we're all busy. But if it's something where, you know, you just want to hit us and, you know, get, get a few minutes or, you know, have us not email hit, you back or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean. If you want to email us or, or something real quick, you know, 5, 10, you know, I'm I'm even open to maybe 20 minutes, you know, to help you out. So, yeah, you just email and, and we'll see what we, how much bandwidth we have and whether or not we can um, help you out and offer you some advice. That's That's fine. Anyway,
0: I wonder if we just opened the floodgates. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out. We reserve the right to ignore emails. Yes, uh, I I generally never ignore an email. It's just that the worst case, I usually give a short response I'm, I'm, it, from someone who's call,
2: ta- emailing about freelancing. Recruiters, I ignore those. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, typically for me, it might just be a delay, and it's it all always depends on how busy I am. Like like I said, if it takes, you know, if I'm so busy and it takes me a week to get back to a lead non lead or, you know, non critical emails might take a bit longer. But I just want to throw it out there. I mean, even if it's like, hey, I'm having a problem with this, because you know, I've gone through stuff. I've have, you know, found links that might have helped me and it could be just a quick one minute like, hey, read this or do do what someone talks about in this post. And I just think that might be a good little a good help, especially during these hard times.
1: Yeah, I agree. I also reserve the right to say no. If I don't have time, I'll just tell you because I don't want somebody sitting there and waiting for my response if I don't have time. So, anyway. Um, all right, well, we'll wrap it up. We'll catch you all next week. Thanks for listening.
0: See you. Bye.